what can we say is the conclusion of the matter concerning the Ten Commandments? I would say selflessness. Because examining those commandments, I there is there is nothing like um, don't do this to please yourself. It's all about doing things to please another. Not this self-love message that is preached everywhere in some gatherings, in comedy, even some psychiatrists. There is this message of love yourself. But we see the opposite in the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is about self-sacrifice. Do not murder. It's not, it's different. That's not love to self. That's love to fellow man. Do not be covetous. Do not steal. These are commandments. Honor God. Do not take his name in vain. Keep his Sabbath. These are commandments of self-sacrifice. And when one ponders the character of Christ, of which is my desire and my message to you today is to continually ponder the character and life of Christ. And you see that Christ, our example, lived a life of self-denial. He denied self to serve man. He denied self to serve fallen man. He was without sin. He was creator. What am I saying was? He is creator. And he came to serve man. He lived a life of self-sacrifice. And since he is the one we are following, since we are walking after his steps, then we must learn and we must do as he did. To love unconditionally. To die to self. I am so glad that it's on this note that we would be continuing our study of the Bible. I'm so glad it's on this note that we would continue seeking and pleading to God to reveal to us what truth is. Now, what what note am I talking about? The note of this lesson of denying self, putting self aside, examining the Ten Commandments. What message does it teach? It teaches the lesson to die to self. And isn't this a good lesson isn't this a good and precious gem we should have as this year has kicked off isn't this the aim isn't the aim to be as christ was he died to self he left his kingdom in heaven he left the riches he left the presence of his father 
to come to this earth to go through pain, physical, emotional, and even mental, just so that you and I will be saved. As a leader, he gave the example of dying to self, denying self of the ease, the joy, the peace, the sanity of heaven, the blessing of his father, his glorious throne and body, and became man, sacrificed all of those good stuff just to save man. And he has given us his commandment as it has been since the foundation of the earth. Yes, in the book of Genesis chapter 2, it was crowned with the Sabbath. And I said, I give you my command, obey and be transformed that you and I may be as he is. Giving us all the instructions bit by bit, not leaving any vital instruction. Giving us all, even promising the Holy Spirit that he, the Holy Spirit, may guide us. And help us accomplish that which he has set for us. This is 2023. This is a new beginning. Salvation is now. It's not today. It's not soon. It is now. Now. This second. This minute. Now. Just now. The offer is just right in front of you. It's right in front of me. Are we going to pick it up? Are we going to pray that he will help us? It's the question. Remember, 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 remember. We must learn to die to self. I remember <clears throat> a verse of the Bible I've been trying to commit to memory. And that verse in the, is in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, since therefore Christ has suffered in the flesh for us, arm yourself with such mind. For he who suffers in the flesh has ceased from sin. Denying self from that sinful pleasure, denying self from that oh desire of, oh, I want this at all cost. Not regarding whether or not it is right in the sight of God. Oh my dear friends, self must die. Self must die. Let us have a word of prayer as we dive into today's story. What truth does God have for us today? This is Exodus chapter 21. Let us have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for today. We thank you for the new year. We thank you for preserving us to this very point. Many who have been on this race of life have passed. But we are alive. Not because we are worthy. No. Not because there is any good in us. Not because we are righteous. No, far from it. But it's all because of your grace and your mercy. And we say thank you, Father. 
We plead for the forgiveness of our sins. Please forgive us of our sins as we repent and confess unto you. Give us the zeal, a burning desire to turn from our sins, to detest our sins. Please grant us your Holy Spirit as we study today. Fill my lips with your words that I may not speak words of my own, but words from you alone. Oh, thank you, Father, for I've prayed in Christ's name. Amen. Exodus chapter 21. Now let us have God speak to us in very, very clear tones. Exodus 21. God said, now this is God speaking to Moses. This is God speaking to Moses after the children of Israel told him, we are freed. You go and speak to God. Anything he tells you and you deliver to us, we will do. We will do. Now, these are the judgments which you shall set before them. Now, before we go further, I remember in Exodus chapter 18, when Jethro visited Moses. Jethro is the father-in-law of Moses. He saw what Moses was doing. Moses was judging the entire congregation of Israel. And Jethro was alarmed that, what is this that you are doing? Let us hear the Bible put it in exact words. Exodus chapter 18 verse 12. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning till evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you do? Or what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning till evening? Now, God gave us um, a glimpse of the amount of people he led us of the land of Egypt. He said there were 600,000 men that came out of Egypt. Not counting the women, not counting the youth and the children. And according to our today's statistics, we would know that women are always more than men. So there were a large amount of people. Moses sat and judged. And Moses said to his father-in-law, let us pay attention to this. The people came to me to inquire of God. Now, when they have the inquire of God, when they have difficulties, they come to me, that is Moses, and I judge between one and another. And I make known to them. This is what he uses to judge. I make known to them the statutes of God and his laws. Remember, remember previously that we mentioned that God was trying to take the children of Israel back to the beginning. To the beginning of how things were done. There were no set priests above any congregation of people. 
in each home, there was a priest. And that priest is usually the father. Jethro is an example. Moses is another example. So it is because they had no knowledge of the statutes of God. They had no knowledge of his laws. They needed Moses to be a judge amongst them. Then Jethro went further to advise that he set leaders over tens, leaders over hundreds. Let them help you. Let them be of assistance. Now that appointment went to these selected persons who were to head these numbers of Israelites. But now, God by himself revealed to them on Mount Sinai his laws. Well, due, due to their fear, they, they, they didn't want to hear from God anymore. They said, God speak to Moses, then Moses will deliver to us what you have said to him. So this is God now giving them his complete statutes so that all would know his law and all would know his statutes so that all of them will be able to inquire of God what is just, what is right, what is pure and what is true. Now, I, I, I hope we are understanding what God is teaching us. Now, God wanted all of them to have a knowledge of him. Not just one person that will just be a pastor over everybody or one person that will be an elder over everybody. I'm using terms that we are more familiar with. No, he wanted all the congregation of Israel to have a knowledge of his statutes and his laws. Very interesting. God is good. Thank God for the light. Then he went further to tell Moses, if you buy a Hebrew servant, very specific, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free and pay nothing. If I have money and I buy a, or purchase a servant, a Hebrew servant, regardless of whether I think or not, oh, he's going to serve me for 10 years. The moment he gets or he or she gets to the seventh year of service, he must go free. He at that point sees to be a servant. A very specific command to a Hebrew servant. Then God went further. He said, if he comes in by himself, then he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. Now, in order for us not to think, oh, this is one, uh, why, why, why is God encouraging slavery and this and that and this? Mind you, mind you. Potiphar was a very high-ranking man in the land of Egypt. 
someone sold Joseph to him to be a servant, to be a slave. And Joseph was ruler over all other servants. So in, in this in this in this picture God is painting, it might just be that someone is looking for employment, looking for a way to, you know, get funds and he wants to serve under someone. Maybe under a rich man who has a lot of cattle. And he's like, ah, sir, if if I serve you like Jacob served seven years or fourteen years for the two sisters of Laban. Sorry, two daughters of Laban. Is as similar as that. It is as similar as that. It God wasn't encouraging bondage. He never encourages bondage. And we can even see how God is instructing them that in the sixth year, in the seventh year, such person must go. Except if he or she decidedly and is willing to remain a servant. If he wants to continue to serve you. Joseph never ceased to be a servant in the land of Egypt. It is in his course of service, Pharaoh appointed him as governor. He was still serving. He was still a servant to Pharaoh. God goes further to give Moses an instruction or instructions for the children of Israel. He says, if his master has given him a wife and she has born his sons, she has born him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. So if the master gives the one who has come as a servant or a slave a wife, then when he is going, he is not to go with the wife or the children. Now, the wife here would be his daughter. You can't, you can't give what you don't have. It is what you own you can give. So definitely, definitely, what um what the interpretation of this verse is if his master gives him his daughter as wife and she has born his servants or uh, servant sons or daughters then when he is going he does not live with the wife and the children then God went for that but if the servant plainly says I love my master my wife and my children I will not go out free then his master shall bring him to the judges he shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost and his master shall pierce his ear not his ears his master shall pierce his ear, one of the two, and with an hour he shall serve him forever. Sorry, he shall pierce his ears, his ear, with an hour. 
and he, the servant, the slave, shall serve him forever. And if a man sells his daughter, if a man sells his daughter to be a female slave, she shall not go out as the male slave. Now, we are turning the tables to the side of the women. If a man sells his daughter to be a female slave, she shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please a master who has betrothed her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. What it means to be betrothed is to be promised to marry. So let us read this um, verse again with that understanding of what it means to be betrothed. If she does not please her master, who has promised to marry her, then he shall let her be redeemed. To be redeemed means, yes, yes, they can now, when I say they, I mean her family or her father that sold her can now come back and say, oh, please let my daughter come home. He shall have no right, that is the master, he shall have no right to sell her through a foreign people. He cannot say because I've promised to marry her and I'm not pleased, then I will therefore sell her to a foreign or a strange people. Since he has dealt deceitfully with her. You see, this, this instruction, this command is very special to me. Meaning, one must be careful before making any promise. Meaning, one must be ready. You know, there is this, sorry, I'm just jumping, jumping, jumping. There is this interesting thing about marriage vows. Both parties, they make statements. Till death do us apart. I always, I always think about it. And that is such a heavy statement. That come rain, come sunshine, come snow, come even the volcano. It is only death. That will do us apart. Once that vow is established between the man, the wife, and God, who is present, then, then, then it would only be considered as a deceitful act if this marriage breaks up because oh, this 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 partner cannot cook. Oh, this this partner is dirty. Oh, this this partner does not do this, and the most flimsy excuses it would be considered as sin and as we have read here it would be considered as deceitful oh we must be careful we must be careful we must pray oh lord not my will but your will be done let's go on and if he, that is the master, has betrothed her to his son, 
Don't forget the definition of what it or what it means to be betrothed to his son. He shall deal with her according to the customs of daughters. If he takes another wife, he shall not he shall not diminish her food, her closing, and her marriage rights. And let's finish this up. And if he does not do these three for her, then she shall go out free without paying money. Now, this is interesting. There is nothing new. Even down to these statutes, God was instructing Moses to deliver the, to the children of Israel. It is not new. These are statutes that have been right from the beginning. Not only that, I believe these are statutes that God had already set for them, seeing the condition, seeing how their relationship with pagans, that is the Egyptians, have structured their orientation and, and all of that. It then says, peradventure, you have found yourself in a position where you have expressly disobeyed my command of a man and a woman clinging to each other. Peradventure, you have made a mistake where there is now a third party, where there is now a crowd. Oh, in the marriage cycle, three is a crowd. Remember, remember, in the beginning, God made Eve. God made a woman for Adam, not women. He made a woman. And now the statutes God is delivering to the children of Israel. Peradventure, you have sinned. And you have more than one partner. Then you must continue to treat the first right. In fact, then you must continue to treat both parties right. And only upon maltreatment, which is the last verse, where God said, if he does not do these things, provide her food, provide her clothes, and give her a right. A marriage right. Then she would then have the freedom to leave without paying any money. Ah. Of a truth, God is a just God. God is a true God, not showing partiality to anybody. Now, these, these statutes were given not regarding statutes. God didn't say, oh, these are the statutes for the leaders. These are the statutes for the priest or the high priest. Don't forget they were high priests. Melchizedek was a high priest. No, no, no. This was a statute for all. For all the children of Israel. These were the statutes. Now, if there be any very interesting thing I have learned, 
I have learned so far is even in areas where we have fallen short, God still meets us, meets us at that point. Now, I say this to say this. It is not the plan. It is not the desire. It was never in the scheme or the curriculum of God that a man will be a slave or a servant to another man. Now, I'm not even saying Hebrew or foreigners. A man is not to be a slave to another man. But as man sinned, as man continued to degrade, as man continued to fall short and fall short, God came up with statutes. He came up with laws. He came up with ordinances that would make things just. At the point of disobedience, he told Moses to deliver to the children of Israel. For the one who has more than one wife, which is an already established violation of my commandments, I, I, I will not abandon you. I wouldn't say because you have sinned. Oh, then, then your case is closed. No. As you have sinned, then do this. Then do this for justice, for peace, for love to reign. My dear friends, we have a merciful Father. And this understanding of his mercy is deep. We have not even started to scratch the surface. We have not. And the more I see how merciful God is, the more I realize how foolish man is. You know, on this issue, and I would close with this, on this issue of marriage, it, sometimes it, it, it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder when I hear the vows of a couple, all of the love that they profess to have for one another. What then happens? What happened to that love? Was it a lie? Was it deceitful? How was such a profession made and all of a sudden there is a second person or there is a third person in the picture? There is no problem. There is no tint. Not even a pinch. There's nothing, not, not even as small as a mustard seed of a problem. In the commandments and the statutes God gave man in the very beginning. They are righteous. They are just. And it's all love. We'll close on today's podcast with... A word of encouragement from the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, sorry. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
he is a new creation. All things 2022 have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do have a wonderful day. Until we meet again, God bless you.